for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by ElkGrows.com, with your host, elk hunting coach Joe Gillian. You want to hunt elk? And they live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Welcome everybody, I'm Joe Gillia and this is our Insights Edition where we learn and talk about all things elk. And guys, today we're doing something very special. We're doing a collaboration podcast with Trent Fisher from Born and Raised Outdoors. How are you, Trent? Good, man. I really, really appreciate this, man. This is, this is an honor. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and to those people who are listening, uh, i got to be transparent and tell you how great of a guy Trent is. Uh, we've already been doing this probably for about 20 minutes, <laughs> and uh, uh, the guy here forgot to push recording, so Trent... Thanks, man, for oh, no. <laughs> for it's, doing it, that with us. It man. happens, man. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, you know, oh, we were talking earlier. And we we're talking about, you know, how uh, this is amazing that through technology and we can do something like this. I mean, you're in Oregon. I'm in New Mexico. <laughs> and you made a comment about it no. doesn't always work right for you. <laughs> <laughs> I said about ninety percent of it. I don't have a clue how to do. Yeah. <laughs> and on this side, I forget to push record. So, <laughs> yeah, both have been in that box, man. And and thanks a lot because I, I know it's been a crazy spring. Um, you guys have been really busy, and uh, people think that all you do is hunt. And here you are doing, you know, yeah. this right now. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and, it definitely is a misconception, I think, of the job. That's for sure. <laughs> I spend yeah. a ton of time on the computer, uh, on the phone, talking to uh, a lot of people and sponsors. And, yeah, the hunting and, the hunting and fishing or the outdoors uh, aspect of it is a pretty relatively very small portion of what I get to do. But uh, we're super blessed to be able to, to, be able to do what, what we do. Well, and also, uh, you've been going a little out of your comfort zone. We know that we love elk hunting, both of us. We're elk hunters, man. That's what we live for. That's what we die for. But uh, you've done some really cool things going out of your comfort zone. You just did a bear hunt, right? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, I grew up and uh, not bear hunting much. Honestly, I don't know. Dad, we just we just never did it, really. We saw them, you know, every once in a while, but they were more for just, oh, wow, there's a bear. You know, it wasn't I, I don't know why we didn't. But um, anyway, in the spring now, it's 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 been a lot of fun getting out and stretching your legs. And, you know, after after the uh, winter seasons uh, had come through and and you can do a lot of glassing and, and hiking and, and it's, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun being able to do that. So, well, you're also, yeah. you're also helping the elk when you do that. Yeah. That's the big thing for us. We, we just put up a series and we call it the predator series just because they, they are, man, they, there's some studies um, that have been done here and um, it, it's just been amazing. The, I think, and, and don't quote me on this, but the, the study was they collared, um, they collared 13 elk calves here and um, about an hour and a half away from my house here. And uh, uh-huh. <clears throat> out of the 13, only two of them actually lived. Um, all the rest of them, other than one, one got eaten by a bobcat. All the rest of them got eaten by bears. So, wow. Yeah, it was Unbelievable. A interesting study that they did. And so it's like, man, they do definitely, they make a big impact on, on the elk herds. Yeah, no kidding. So that that's huge, and and I followed a little bit of that series, and it was really neat to to hear that that was real important to you guys that 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 take place. You just did a turkey hunt. Too. Turkey hunt. I went to Wisconsin to chase a turkey. <laughs> Why would I ever do that? I have no idea. <laughs> um, Vortex. We did a big collaboration with uh, the hunting public and Hushin and uh, and Vortex. And, uh, yeah, we went over to Wisconsin and that was the first time I'd actually done that. And everybody said, you know, I, I, I ran into guys and that's the big misconception, right? It's just like elk hunting, just like elk hunting. I'm thinking, right, right. is it, is it though? And we did, we heard them do their gobble thing, you know, and call them and stuff. <laughs> I just, they just don't, it, it was fun. Don't get me wrong. There was a lot of, uh, similarities to elk hunting, but it's just not a, it's not a 700 pound animal with horns no. on it want to kill you coming in i'll tell you that yeah it's a lot easier hike out with that <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah no kidding and there was a couple guys that i ran into over there that they have elk hunted before you know and they've been mm-hmm. actually successful elk hunting and they they said that any day of the week they'd rather turkey hunt than elk hunt any day of the week and i just looked at them and shook my head i i, I don't know what to tell someone that thinks that <laughs> yeah no no i and i enjoy going on a turkey hunt uh when i have a chance to do that sure. but uh I live to go on the elk hunt, so a little bit different deal there. And I mean, yeah, similarities, the calling, uh, but you never, you don't have to worry about the wind. It's (laughs) it's <laughs> that's what that's uh, that was another thing too i had my wind checker because i got it on my binocular harness oh did you really <laughs> oh yeah i was constantly checking the wind they're looking because <laughs> every single one that gobbled honestly every single one it was downwind of us and i'm thinking what in the world this is what should we circle around what are we doing here <laughs> that's hilarious man yeah, yeah, yeah. i bet those turkey hunters were looking at you like what's he doing what you the know? heck is he doing <laughs> yeah and uh so so no, it's different I, I just got to tell you, um, for our listeners, uh, not all of them have heard about Land of the Free, uh, mm-hmm. but I have to tell you, the Land of the Free series, bud, has done more to jazz up people about elk hunting as a colonel did for fried chicken. Man. <laughs> <I> mean, <it's... laughs> oh, thank you so much, man. That that means a lot. I really appreciate that. Well, for those people that haven't heard of Land of the Free, I'm, I'm not sure where they've been if they haven't, but could you touch on it and let them know? 
Yeah, so Land of the Free was a project that we wanted to do. We came on the uh, YouTube scene about two and a half years ago or so, and uh, we started in just a real brief background. I don't want to take this too long, but right. as far as uh, – but, yeah, we started in 07 making DVDs, and um, we did that for quite a while, and we thought that was the way to go, man. That was you, – you got your own DVD. You've, you've made it, right? Right, right. We all had normal jobs back then. Everybody – you know, we just hunted our butts off on the weekends and every day after work during the week and so then we found out how hard it is to capture an elk hunt on film uh, successfully so we we kept on with it and uh over the years we uh we you know learned some a lot of stuff about not only elk hunting but videoing elk hunts and how to do that and, mm-hmm. and so then when we came on the youtube scene uh cody and i we wanted to go full time at it and so our big play was what we're going to do is we're going to get a video camera, start season off uh, the first day of season. Usually it's August 24th or 26th or something. And we were going to hunt five states and we're going to hunt all the way through hunting season for 50 wow. days. Yeah. That was That's an idea. undertaking right there, but <laughs> yeah, that was our great idea. And so <laughs> it's like, okay, well, let's just, uh, let's just do that. And, and the filming part and the hunting part, it was, it, it don't get me wrong. It was, it was daunting and, 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 a, and a lot of work and, and it took um, uh, definitely some perseverance and, and a, and a different mindset to, to do that all in those 50 days. I ended up doing 53 days straight. Wow. Yeah, Cody came home because he had just a little kid. He had he had little ones at mm-hmm. the time, and and so he came home for just like about seven or eight to ten days, and then he came back. You know, he came back out on the project. But but I was there the whole fifty three days, and it was uh, man, it was a whole different, like I said, mindset that I had to get into too. Well, that's what I said to you earlier. Is man, at what point? I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's almost like Groundhog Day at sometimes. I mean, <laughs> the, the days just blend together, and. Uh, you know, do you hit the wall? Yeah, I never did hit a wall. I, I really had a, a mental um, picture in my head of I was going to finish it. You know, I think it's right. like a race. I think it's just like anything that you do um, in life, you know, that, that you take on and that you sign up for, right? And right. It's um, one of those things where it's, I'm going to finish this thing and I'm, you know, hopefully finish and standing up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, yeah, but it was, I will say around day 48, uh, it was, I was in Montana. It was, uh, it was snowing. It was cold. It never got above 26 degrees for like five days straight. Um, the elk weren't cooperating. They weren't bugling much. The rut was kind of on the back end. And, and then we saw some wolf tracks and we could hear them howling. And, and just, there was a lot of things that built up to make it just like the, a whole <laughs> bunch of miserableness. Right. So it was like, everything was thrown at you to try to really put that test on those last days. Then. It was, it was. And it was just like, at that point, I, I it was already, I had already been gone through so far. It was like, well, I've only got, you know, I've only got five days left. I just, let's just keep on. And we got to keep, you know, you got to keep up the anticipation and, and just one more bugle, right? Just one more. That's all I'm looking for is just give me a bugle and something you know, I can work with, and, something I can go and, with. and that's usually like the guys that are with me when they're, you know, I have a tendency to go pretty hard and heavy and, you know, where I hear an animal, I'm going and, and we're going to really put some work in. And some of those guys, man, they just start, looking at their feet as they're walking and you can tell they're just not quite, you know, they're, they're starting to drudge around a little bit, you know, and then all of a sudden that bugle happens, oh, man. <laughs> their oh, whole man. attitude changes. 
We our whole motto is it only takes one. It only, only takes, takes one. It, it, it can happen at any time. It just takes one, you know. Well, so. It's a, isn't it amazing how when you can, you know, four miles can just like be wiping you out when nothing's talking, but one talk, you can go eight miles and you don't even know it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. That's what in Montana, we got so deep in there. And I mean, uh, Steve ended up missing a bull a couple different times. Um, and I honestly, I look back at, it, I was thinking about that the other day. I think of, man, if he would have killed that thing, we'd still be there packing that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well take a loaf of bread in and just eat it. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> was, I mean, but we did, we just kept going. We had to find them, you know? And so we just kept going and going and going. And, and, uh, but it's amazing what they, what you can go through, um, for an elk. That is well, you guys did an incredible job of making people feel like they were along that hunt and i you know actually feeling like they they got to be a part of that event mission accomplished with that oh thank you yeah that was and and like i was saying you know that it was the the hunt was uh it was amazing it was um we killed what we we killed 13 bulls i think wow amount of time and and um it wasn't the killing of the elk by any means but that is definitely you know a goal when you're out there sure and uh sure. but it was the the hard part was when you get back we took a week off uh to spend with our families so we took one week off we didn't really do anything for a week then the work began we had a release date of uh october 1st so it was like or i'm sorry november 1st okay. and um yeah it was like okay well let's get on it and we never done anything like that before ever and man it was late nights and early mornings that's for sure and and trying to get it all together and and it was it would come to the first weekend of you know and it's be like oh thank god but nope we thought about we're like we we promised that we do it every single day well so, not only have you promised to do it but you you're going to do it again yeah yeah did to do it again so we did it yeah <laughs> We did it next the last year as well. So we've done uh, two Land of the Free projects. And um, this year we'll do the same. Uh, it's not going to be called 3.0. I don't want to get into the whole realm of 3, 4, 5. You know, so, but, uh, right. We've got some new ideas for this elk season that we're really excited about. And, cool. and always trying to you know set the bar. Always trying to do something different and trying to do something unique. And, and that's, that's what we're going to try to do this year as well. So. That's awesome. So yeah. – our topic today, and we're going to go ahead to that, um, is sure. the hunter's rites of passage. And basically, that's those things handed down to our families that really have, that make us the hunters that we are today. And the plan is to bring that full circle for us as elk hunters and our own families, you know, kind of to talk how that's involved there, as well as giving some knowledge to some of these guys to take into their woods with them this coming fall. So let's dive on in. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. I want you to think about those gifts, those thought processes, crazy traditions, those skill sets that have been handed down to you. And, you know, uh, I think I mentioned to you before, you know, I think back to when I was a kid in the South is that, you know, the big thing is, you know, they do that sink swim principle, (laughs) you know, take, take you out. And I, and I, I, you know, I can just envision my uncles and different people together, just someplace playing a poker game when I'm out there or somebody's out there with a bag, a whistle, uh, snipe hunting. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> the old snipe hunt. I guess you've heard about the snipe hunting, right? Oh, yeah. That's even out here. That's even out west here. You know, I, I mean, you know, it was always joked about, and you know, you got to run around in the field with the gunny sack, but you got to put it over your head because they fly too, you know, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there are a lot of those things that, that were taught to us and given to us, um, gifts, actually, that make us who we are. And um, why don't you uh, go ahead and elaborate on that? Yeah, so in my background, it's been kind of what you said, family. Uh, that's been a mm-hmm. huge part. My dad was a giant, giant role model, or is still a giant role model for me um, in the hunting realm. And we would, every year, most most of the years we would go, you know, over Eastern Oregon with grandma and grandpa. Or, um, and to me, that's Eastern Oregon, so that's traveling, um, you know, five hours you know, by right. going over in the east side. So I live right on the coast. I live right on the Oregon coast, uh, Roosevelt, Elk Country, uh, thick. People call it the jungle that's been called, rainforest it's been called, a lot of different things, right? So, right. But, uh, but yeah, so and going over east and kind of the desert high, you know, high lakes kind of stuff. Um, and more pine, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And it's mule deer. We have black tail deer where I'm from here and uh-huh. uh, there's no mule deer around here where I'm from. And so the further east you go, you get into mule deer and, and they were bigger. They were just a different look, you know, and, and pretty cool, really cool animal. And, and so we would go over there with grandma and grandpa and, and do a hunt a lot of times with them. But I grew up, my dad, he, you know, he taught us pretty much everything about the hunting realm, um, elk calling and stuff. He was in the ground, kind of at the ground floor of, of elk, of the calling and the diaphragm read and the bugle tube. And, and, and it was, uh, man, it was, it was a neat to see that whole process. And I, and like I said, I'm, I'm what, almost 40 now. So I was just kind of in on the uh, later end of the ground floor, as, as I would say, you know, my dad, he really like revolutionized and, and went with the old uh, started with the um, uh, swimming pool tubes, you know, the, the right, tube, right. The, yeah. You know, the pipes and stuff like that, that, uh, and then it went to the vacuum cleaner hoses and stuff for bugles and, and all of that stuff. And it was really, it's, it's kind of cool to think back on that kind of stuff and, and um, calling elk and just making it, just making a tiny, you know, a real squeal. There wasn't any lip balls back then. There wasn't any, you know, and the chuckle, that was, that was a whole different deal. Just had to make a, a whistle kind of out of the tube. And, and anyway, as that kind of technology went on. But to get back to your question, my dad was a big, big part of, of all of us boys. Uh, I have two other brothers as well. And, and he was a big part of that for, for us and to get us out in the woods. And, but like we talked about earlier, it's, uh, we've always been in the woods. We've always, uh, I grew up cutting timber. Um, dad was a timber faller all his life still is and um, so it's that uh, it wasn't until I I went out um, to Wisconsin just a few days ago and saw how flat it is out there Mm -hmm. and back east and and it was man I I could not imagine honestly being from that background at uh, in those in the you know early 80s when there wasn't any internet there wasn't any that you know uh, GPS, I don't even know if they really were around. No, no, totally not. Right. That... <laughs> and then, and coming out West and just being, and looking at the mountains and looking at, you know, the Rockies and stuff and, or going to Colorado or something of that nature. And just, I, I could not imagine that learning curve there of, of 
honestly, fear is what I would want to call it, honestly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> and I, I think I told you before, you know, I, I taught for 30 years and coached at, at a school, and I had the opportunity to, to teach kids a special class on, on actually bow hunting elk. And in that class, I really got to find out that most of our kids today, when they look at the entrance to the forest or, or, or just that tree line, they actually have a, a fear. They don't, you know, it's, it, it's a barrier. Yes. And, yeah. And, you crazy? know, they, yeah, yeah. They, they don't have that woodsmanship. And, you know, like you talk about guys from back east, it's a whole different deal for them today than it was, you know, when I came out in 1980. Right, right. Yeah. You know? No, it's a, it's. Oh man, it would be scary. I, I, I would honestly say it would be scary to, to just try to do it and say, Hey, I want to go kill an elk. And yeah, right. have you ever seen an elk? <laughs> nope. I don't think I have ever seen it. And it's, I, I could not imagine uh, the learning curve there. And, and so I went through that process, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, I, I came out here in 1980. Um, I'm from the swamps and, uh, and forest of the Carolinas totally different deal. I, I think one thing that helped me being raised there was a woodsmanship that I learned because everything looks alike. And out here, you know, at least you can see, you know, points and, right. and, and mountains and, and different uh, uh, landmarks and stuff like that. But, I, you know, when I came out, uh, my wife and I were in college when we got married, we were 20 years old when we got married. And uh, I, I was just a type of person, grew up poor, grew up hunting, put food on the table when we were kids. So I always thought, you know, that's how I'm going to live my life anyway. And even though we got married young, I said, you know, I, I have my bow. I've been, you know, hunting with a bow since I was a kid. And, you know, I can hunt deer and and uh, and I put meat on the table. And I can remember, Trent, the first time I'm out in the woods and uh, I'm I'm still hunting through the woods and I come on a group of cow elk in there. And the first time I saw one of those cow elk, I, honestly, God, it was like, buddy, I'm home. <laughs> <laughs> how old, how old do you think were you, were you at that time? You think? Uh, I was, I was 20 years old. Okay. I was 20 years old. The first time I saw an elk and I was 21 uh, because I didn't have an elk license that year. I was actually, you know, I was hunting deer. Oh, I was 21 when I killed my first elk and, yeah. um, just that experience of that animal, how majestic, how big, how much food they put on the table. You know? <laughs> They're pretty amazing. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I've gone to, through that transition, but I came out here knowing nothing. And at that time, even, even at my age of 20, it was basically my skill set was pretty much still hunting, didn't know a whole lot about the animal. And I, I think the first time that I ever called elk, it was with a turkey call reed. So, oh, really? okay. yeah, there, there wasn't people that were really doing the elk reeds at that time. And people like your dad, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. that were, you know, kind of at the forefront of that. And uh, a, a lot of these guys, Wayne Carlton, is, he's in my mind, you know, when I think back, oh, you yeah. know, uh, back in those days, you had Larry D. Jones, and uh, but no, that's I went through that experience. So these guys coming out now, they have this technology, they have this incredible stuff, they have this podcast, they have your videos, and gosh, the things that you guys, the gifts that you give to people, tremendous. It's been, it's been amazing, just the the feedback and the response of of just emails and 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 getting actually to go certain you know places and being able to talk to people and stuff it's just 
the the response from just the land of the free project and how much we hear hey i'm doing my first hunt this year i i I hear that hundreds and hundreds of times now every single right. year from people. And it's just, it is so awesome. Uh, people can have the tools, if you will, and get out there and be able to do it themselves. And the the feeling of accomplishment that they have and, and even the ones that aren't successful, you know, even if you don't kill an elk, it's it still, they say, I am, I had the time of my life and that really, really resonates and means a lot to me. Sure. Oh, that experience, the, the things you learn about yourself. You know, mm-hmm. I, and so we, when we go back to those teachings that, um, and those hunter rites of passage, that had to be something that your dad gave to you. I mean, it wasn't all about the kill. A hundred percent. And you touched on it a little, a little bit ago and I kind of wanted to, to circle back to it and, and the meat thing, I think that was a big thing that, uh, that, that dad and grandpa and, and the whole family was taught um, was taught to me early and, and my brothers as well as it's not about the size of the horns. It never, ever has been about how big the animal is. Do we want to kill a giant bull? Heck yeah. Everybody does. Sure. But, but it was never, ever about that. It was never based around that at all. It was putting meat on the table and then sharing it. So like, you know, we would all share it with grandma and grandpa and, you know, in the family, if someone killed an elk and, and cause back then, I mean, we were successful. Um, you know, quite a bit, but it wasn't like, you know, we just go out and kill one every single year. You know, it was, it was difficult. It was tough. And, and, uh, and there was a big learning curve and, but it was always about the meat. It was never about how big, you know, of, of horns did it have, or I'm going to pass this one. I'm going to pass this one up. (laughs) It was never, that, that was never even thought of. And so, and we took that into, I mean, um, this season, uh, you know, Steve has drawn a coveted Arizona tag. He just, you know, won the lottery pretty much, you know. And, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, but we've never, ever in the whole group, we've never passed up a, never passed up a legal bull ever. And I think on film, I think just this last year, we hit over a hundred, a hundred bulls that we've, that we've harvested on film and, uh, and we've never passed one up. So this year is going to be really interesting when, uh, <laughs> when Steve, you know, when he's in the coveted Arizona unit and, and he, uh, he's going to try to pass one up, I think. So we'll, well, we'll see what happens there. My situation is different than yours because uh, when you guys are doing your group hunting, how you set it out, you guys kind of call who's shooter, who's caller, everything Correct, like yeah. that. So when it comes around to the shooter in your group, there's only so many opportunities, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, every year, like last year, I hunted a day and a half all season personally. So yeah, so it's you, it's, you got to be opportunistic when the, when the time is right. Uh, when you get that opportunity, you either take it or you are sitting in the back of the bus. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of different. Steve has a little bit of advantage, man. He's the only one with the tag now. Correct. So yes, everybody's pl- playing towards that. And, and I can remember, you know, I, I've said on one of my podcasts, you know, I think I've passed a couple of times because it was first day of a 10 day hunt. I didn't yep. want to go home. Oh yeah. Know? Oh yeah. No, <laughs> I totally, totally. And I don't, you know, and I don't, yeah disagree with any of that at all it's just when like you touched on when you hunt in such a big group and everybody gets a chance to be shooter and you're kind of just first you draw out of a hat pretty much and then it just goes from there for the whole season it's um yeah you you you, you've gotta you've gotta definitely take that shot when you get it 
Yeah. So when you go back to thinking about dad and those things that he taught you, you know, the woodsmanship and, you know, ethics, real ethics. I mean, I, I knew yeah. my dad's laws before I knew man's laws about yeah. certain things. You know, how have those affected your mindset, your value system? I mean, we just heard something as far as the meat's concerned, but any other ways? Yeah, no, it's a lot of it, I think, as far as ethics wise, and I, and I touched on, you know, the size of the animal didn't, didn't ever matter. It was right. the success of the hunt, right? It was right. the, it was the being successful and, and sharing with others and stuff. And, and, <clears throat> but I mean, as far as um, ethically, um, how you take that animal and things have come a long, long ways um, back in the day, you know, I mean, dad was shooting, he was shooting a Martin Cougar, I think at one point and with a giant overdraw on it. And his arrow was, I mean, it looked like a, Oh, it looked like it was about 12 inches long, you know? Yeah, I mean, no, I, I remember that phase. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. The overdraw phase. And, and, uh -huh. Cause you got to get that speed. Right. And right. things have changed, I think in the industry so much. And, and it, it, it kind of brings in a little bit of that ethical. We've learned, I think how to, how to be more effective hunters and how to be more uh, effective in, in taking in animals, uh, ethically and and a quick kill and stuff with uh with the way you know the heavier arrows and and different kind of broadheads and and stuff like that and so it's it's amazing to see how where the industry has gone over the years and and um because back then i mean it was the easton's you know the big old lincoln log aluminum right. and you keep on shooting you know you just keep on flinging arrows and that's just what it you know what it was and, mm -hmm. and now with the it's you know your shot angle has to be just right and, and this and that's and and we're under a microscope all the time because you know everything that we do it's it's shared to everybody you know so sure you really have to like knuckle down and I, and i was taught that you know from my dad as well it's we're not out there just to you know you want to definitely be as ethical and and try to try to put that kill shot on that animal the first time, you know, and, and that it, it definitely has been a, a learning curve with that because you will make, you know, it's just going to happen. It's human nature. Sometimes something happens and you rush it or you, you know, you get bull fever if they want to call it or whatever. And man, and it, well, there's so many variables. Oh man. And we are under such a giant microscope, you know, so mm -hmm. it's like, um, it really, it really turns it back to, okay, what is going to be the most ethical way to, to get this done? And um, was that the right choice to make? Was that the wrong choice? Was it, you know, it, it's, uh, it can really play with you, your mind. Sure. And, you know, if it does play with your mind, if you do have those types of feelings, um, you're in the right spot and the right state of mind anyway. I would totally you know, agree. Totally yeah. agree. You know, it, it's just that that's how I feel about that. I, I've had so many people that um, as a guide, because I guide hunters as well, you know, I've had people that have made a bad shot and these are people that work at it. These are people that care about what they do. These are people that stay within themselves. And that's, that's one thing that I urge everybody to do is you got to, you got to stay within your skill set. and, but it happens. And when you see them beating themselves up, you know, um, you try to give them those words of wisdom to get through that just as you would give to yourself. But in a way you're like, you know, that's cool. That means something to that person. So they're in the right place. You're, you're going to be all right. Keep going. 
Yeah, no, and that, that, that's a big thing too. I think as hunters, you know, we talk about ethics and we talk about, you know, I shoulder bladed a bull um, two years ago in Wyoming mm-hmm. and man, it just was like, it, it was one of those things where it was, uh, yeah, it ran off and it did bugle a couple more times, even mm-hmm. after that, you know, the arrow didn't even penetrate, you know, an inch and, and right. still it was, man, it was, it was hard to take. And it was just like, what do I do now? Do I punch my tag? Cause I got my chance. Do I, you know, and there's so many different things and, and I chose, you know, I'm, I'm on the whole fence of, you know, if, if you do that and you just punch your tag, um, what did you learn from that? You know, and I, mm-hmm. I wanted to go out and learn more. And, and so, and I did, and I ended up harvesting a really nice bull after that. But the point, the point was, was just, I was down and out. I was just like in a point just like, what am I doing? I, I mean, it was an easy chip shot. I don't know what happened. I, I, right. pulled, I, I don't know what happened there. And, and it was uh, Corey Jacobson. And the whole team gathered around me and it was just like, Hey man, you've got to keep on going. This is, you know, it sucks that, you know, but it happens and, and get back on that horse. You know what I mean? Right. So it right. was, a, it, it, that's where the team aspect um, really, really comes into play for us. And, you know, parading around that person and saying, Hey, we're all behind you. You know, it happens and you need to block this out and you need, you know, we need to move on. And so well, that, that goes back to the same family aspect, all, everything yes. that you were talking about before those things that, that we learn. And I think all of us as, uh, as hunters that hunt within a group, I think one of the reasons we do that is because of that family feeling, that camaraderie, um, that, that we've actually extended from what we've learned as, as kids from our own family. I would totally hundred percent agree. And, and that, and we've, we've honestly in the elk woods now, blacktail woods and stuff like that are a different story, but we are way more successful together. And I mean, when you're coming through there and you're sounding like a whole herd of elk and you're, you know, got different uh, guy over here and a guy over there and, and, you know, snap picture. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. And we are way, way more successful together than we are, than we are individually in, in the elk woods. I would definitely say that hundred percent. So how would you say you've evolved since then? Do you, do you think um, you really, that you have, you haven't from, from that kid and those things that you were taught? Um, yeah. I mean, definitely learning more. I mean, it, it was really, really neat. Uh, one of my favorite hunts, I was asked the other day, what's, what's your favorite hunt that you've ever been on? And I couldn't really answer. I was just, you know, they're all so unique and they all have special times and moments. But I thought back to the time where uh, my dad and I, it was uh, we were before work, we heard a bull bugle, it was season. And we said, let's go after him. And so anyway, and I had the privilege of being able to call that bull in and my dad shot it. Um, Oh, how cool is that? It was it was full circle cool. Yeah, <laughs> was, that is that's just awesome. It was just one of those things where it was just like it was pretty cool just to to be able to do to do that and you know it was just you know I, for dad it was like yeah that was you know second nature it was awesome <laughs> <laughs> to be able to kind of give back if you will and oh, it, it, you yeah. know 
you know how that you goes. had to have been swelling up inside though oh yeah i cried pretty good i pre- cried pretty good on the on the film on the pack out i was uh, pretty emotional about it but but yeah and, and it's been cool to actually be able to you know because I, I i get to learn things you know because I'm, I'm out there so much now and then to come back to dad and and be able to bounce stuff off of him and 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 i'm not saying teach him anything but you know at maybe give a different perspective from well i experienced this in wyoming or whatever the scenario might have been and so it's uh that's really cool to be able to do that yeah and you know in talking about some of the things that you do and it's funny i do i'm kind of in the same line there something that some of our i know a bunch of our hunters have gotten their tags now and a lot of them are like what now? Because <laughs> they're, you know, a lot of those guys that are getting ready to come out from the east or haven't been in the west, con- you know, country. Once they get those tags, now they're like trying to figure out where am I going to go? What am I going to do? I have people, you know, emailing me for equipment lists all the time and things like that. But, you know, a, a lot of them are like, where do I hunt? And it's, you know, do I need to scout? Do I need to spend this vacation time and stuff like yes. that? And, and, you know, I've I've heard you guys say that you don't do any uh, scouting. No, we have never, ever scouted an area before we've stepped foot in it. <clears throat> we've never shot a bull that we've seen before. We've never, you know, like a lot of people, they'll name, you know, that's that's old drop time or what, you know what I mean? We've never. Right, right. Ever, yeah, sure. We've never, ever done that ever before. No. Yeah, I, I haven't either. I, I, I don't own been. a trail cam. I've never used a trail cam. Nope, we don't. We don't either. We've never used a trail cam um, to scout for elk or anything like that. No, we, we. That's kind of our our. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's kind of what we've done over the years. As far as it's about the next adventure, right? And it's about learning something new and trying something inside yourself to to be successful. So we'll definitely use the tools at hand, like go hunt to right. You know, we right. look at bull to cow ratio. That's one of our big things that we look at when we're when we're e scouting, if you will. You know, mm-hmm. and um, we we look at that because we want we we want high opportunity. That's we're not we're not worried about trophies. We're not worried about anything like that. We want opportunities, and so bull to cow ratio is a big one for us. And and that's something that anybody can just get on go hunt online or and and look that up. It's it's really um, it's simple that way. Whereas back in the day, like we were talking, it would not have been simple to just pick a spot. You had, you know, put the map on the front of the pickup, right? That giant, right. <laughs> look over here and well, that looks, you know, that looks steep, you know? <laughs> and so it's, uh, it's pretty amazing how technology has gone to where um, it, that learning curve is way, way less than it used to be, definitely. Well, and to help those people out there too, it, it's all about habitat a lot of times. So how do you guys determine yes, whether yeah. an area has it's, good uh, habitat or not? We're looking for, I'm, I'm what I'm looking for, like when I'm um, looking online and stuff like that and Google earth and everything, I'm, I'm looking for big timber patches and I'm looking for obviously water and, and small benches. They have to have a spot where they can go and they can, they can bed down in the day. So where I'm looking for is just small benches on, on steeper, usually pretty steep stuff. And usually, you know, with the meadows and stuff in the bottom Uh and that would be, you know, stuff that I'm looking for as far as out of state, like in state here, it's totally different because it's just so, so hilly. And so, 
<clears throat> so thick here, you know, so I'm looking for clear cuts, right? That, that wilderness of Wyoming, you don't really see a clear cut anywhere, you know, so right, right. I'm looking for logging around here and, and elk will always hang out on logging just because of the, the feed and, um, and the timber. It's so dense around here. It chokes out a lot of the food that the elk, that the elk need to survive. So I'm looking for logging units and on the edges of that and, and just different stuff in different States. And, and you can, you can see all, all of that kind of stuff on any of your Google Earth or, you know, mapping, you know, online maps and stuff like right. that. Right. Well, I even know OnX has, uh, because for me, a big thing is is to locate uh, new burns, uh, year-old burns and things like that, because kind of like your, your wood cutting, it, those burns open up that canopy and provide that food. And I know on OnX, they, they actually, it, it shows the, the burns and where they've been. We've used on a, a, a that is, it was it's been the, probably the main tool that we use when we're when we're actually and and we even pre scout on Onyx um, um, sometimes but man it has been the main tool we're using it every day all day long the, the and it's been actually really really fun to be able to work with those guys at Onyx and go up there and 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 just as of just a last week I think the the new app because um, you just update the app and so the new update has. Uh, has different colored tracks and different colored um, dots where you can land a pin and, and color that dot. And, sure. and that was huge for us. We went to them and we're like, see, we, we were road bugling at night. Right, right. And so we would just kind of just, you know, go at like midnight or so and just hit all these spots and bugle into these canyons. Well, we'd get these different bugles every, you know, we'd do it a few different times. Well, we wanted a different color for the different days that we were road bugling. Mm-hmm. And good, you know, because obviously if it's we've the same road system, but we hear the same bugle, we'd have to mark it in the same color. So I was like, well, was it this one that we heard last night? Or was right, it, right. You know? It gets confusing. So, yeah, it was confusing. So that was cool to be able to work with those guys and say, hey, man, we would love it if you could change the colors, if we could have that option. And, and I mean, the burn layers, like you said, those were huge. We would turn that on in Wyoming. And that's the only reason that we killed a couple of our bulls a couple of years ago is we would skirt those burns. We would just skirt the burn right on the outside. And they seemed to, and it was just a one year old burn. It was brand new. I mean, yep. and man, those elk were loaded all around those burns. And so we'd just turn on the burn layer on our maps and target. And I would tell people too, that don't be scared if that burns just a, uh if it's a month old i mean if if you get moisture in there that that new grass comes up and uh in fact the i killed a real nice bull last year uh opening morning and it was in a burn that was only probably 4 weeks old but we had good moisture and they were guys were seeing those bulls in there after 3 weeks oh yeah so if it looks like the moon, they will still, they'll still be there. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Those, it, they, they do, there's new shoots and stuff and, and just on the edges of them too, you know? So let's circle back in that. How have you brought this to your own family? Oh man. Yeah. So my son gets to hunt now and that's been, that's been a big thing as far as is, um, you know, the kids are young and I have, I have a, I have a 10 year old daughter and a, and a, 12 year old son he'll be mm-hmm. 13 shortly i think and so They're great ages huh? oh it's so much fun just because it's uh we get to they interact you know and, and when right. they're growing up you want to take them with you but they can't keep up at times and everything and now it's um 
taking them hunting and fishing and doing the whole thing and, and the whole outdoor scene. It's just been so much fun. And um, being able to teach the the stuff that I've learned, you know, over the years. And, and um, it's just, it, it's been a blast. And yeah, it's, it's full circle. Definitely. Uh, being a dad and, and learning from what I learned back in the what, day. What are those? Dad, in, it, what are those important things that you're trying to teach them, Trent? My, we touched on it earlier. A lot of it has to do with ethics. I, right, I would say. right. And, and, you know, and, and the way to go about it and the way to, to um, hold yourself. And, and, and I think it goes way further than hunting. I think it just goes as a lifestyle, you know. Correct. I think it's definitely something that um, you can see there's those guys and you, you mentioned, you know, the Larry D Jones and those guys, it wasn't just their hunting. I don't think that that made us like them so much and, and, and attracted us to them. It was their ethical way that they went about it and it was the way that they held themselves. Right. And right. Uh, yes. I think that really, really, you know, in being able to try and teach that the right way. And um, it's, it's definitely, it's always a journey that you're on, right? Right. You know, and I, a lot of people don't always talk about it, but I have, I have, and, and I talk to, and a lot of the guys that I associate with, associate with, you have a spiritual connection to what you're doing uh, to, to that animal, um, you know, honoring the animal, honoring the hunt, honoring the people that you hunt with, I, I think are huge lessons. Yeah. And, and, and that's where, you know, like a lot of people say are anti-hunters, um, call them and say that they're different animals for them. And it, to go out and, and say, you know, stuff like that, that we're just out there for blood sport and everything. It, it couldn't be further from the truth. It's, um, they, when you take an animal's life, there is something there. And I, I, and you mentioned on traditions um, back at the first of the podcast and, and everybody Mm -hmm. goes about it a little different. You know, some people walk up on it on their own, you know, and, 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 or pray, have a prayer over, you know, something like that. And and to each his own on every, every bit of that and, and show reverence for that animal just because it did, you know, you just took a life. You, you really did, but it's to, you know, to feed your family and to, um, and, <clears throat> to go full circle like that is it's pretty emotional. Yeah, it really is. And and I think that's one of those perspectives that we learned as kids that we teach to our kids that they keep you grounded, that that make all of this special that like you said, outside of hunting and in, in the rest of the world that you know, that you take that in the relationships that you have with other people and the things that you don't take for granted because we have been in that position. Um, we have honored an animal and been beside it on its last breath. It, you know, I, I always feel that if a hunter, if you're not able to do that, you're not worth your salt. Yes. I mean, we owe that to them. So, oh, 100%. Um, yeah, yeah. Way cool, man. That, that, that's awesome. Uh, I, I just want to say, you know, we've talked about a lot of the positives. Do, do you think that there's been a negatives uh, of change for hunters since, you know, in those years. I mean, I look back at, at our parents and our grandparents, uncles and stuff. And, you know, there, there was a thought process and there were some things that were there. And yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think we're at a, a really neat time right now. And I think it's through the, through the internet and through a lot of people. Um, one that comes to mind is uh, Stephen Ranella and mm-hmm. mediator and he's a great great guy i've had I've, I've been able to have the pleasure to meet him a couple different times and he's um <clears throat> what he's done i think for the for the hunting world is um 
brought a light to the the protein and the harvesting your own meat kind of thing. And I think it's it's a neat time. I think right now there's a big movement, you know, the meat movement, they call it, or whatever, right. organic, um, you know, the organic movement. And, and I, I think it's pretty cool that hunters have brought the light to a lot of people and um, and it's it's been it's been neat to watch how many people that you know now they respect someone who goes out and harvests their own meat and brings it home and puts it on the table and and um just being able to read a lot about that as far as i get a lot of emails as well from people just you know i've never even believed in taking an animal's life and now they've actually done it and it's went full circle and it's fed their families and they look at hunting in a whole different light now so yeah i think i think there's definitely um some things that are negative still in the industry and i think there's you know things like that but um but I think, you know, it's, it's a pretty neat time um, I, for, I for that whole thing. Yeah, because, uh, you know, th- those negatives come from the, the lack of understanding because there are less and less people that have been, you know, you remember when we were kids, it was okay to have a, a, a rifle sitting on a rack in the back of your truck. It was okay to walk around with a knife in your pocket. Every boy did. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Uh, the world has become a different place with a lot of that. And I've seen that as a negative and, and some yeah. of those reflections that come from that. And that's why I think it's so cool. People like yourself, um, you know, people like Corey Jacobson, uh, people out there that are putting what hunters do in a positive light and trying to teach and trying to educate, not shock, but try to educate. So, uh, I, I just want to thank you guys for what you do with that. What's been really cool um, that, that uh, we've got to experience, and, and we talked about it just a little bit ago, about the guys, the pioneers that started the, the, the bugling and, and calling and stuff, like Larry D. Jones and stuff. And I've actually had the, the pleasure, and, and it's, it's just been amazing to be able to hunt with guys like Corey Jacobson, who these guys were my heroes, you know, growing up, and, and Dirk Durham, and, and guys like that in the industry. And it's, it's been really cool to be able to go out and be able to share a camp with, with the people that I really looked up to, you know, back from back in the day. So it, yeah, because awesome. back of your mind, you wonder, you know, if, if, they're, if they're, you know, what that guy is really like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and you, you, learn, you learn about people, and, and it's been, and what makes them tick, you know, in the elk woods. So. Yeah, and it's, it's so cool because a lot of those people, you might not even know them, and you meet them in the elk woods, and you find out that those people out there, they're, they're just like you are, that uh, have the same type of love, have the same type of passion, and uh, it'd be great people to spend time in camp with. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And, and you, you, were, you hit it on the head. 99% of the people that you meet, they're just, just like us. You know, they're, they're just normal guys, just normal people. Well, bud, I, I just want to thank you so much. Uh, this has been great time spent in a way to honor those people, our, our parents or our uncles or our grandparents, those people that took the time out to really teach us something and, I encourage and I always tell people out there, if you have your own children that you can share this with, do that. If you don't, find a young person and share this with them. Yes. Yes, it is. uh, You will be rewarded way, way more than you think they will have. You know, as far as I've been rewarded so much by taking other people and taking kids. Sure. Myself. 
yeah, you get to share that passion, get to share that experience, and it's definitely going to have a ripple effect. And I, I think these are important lessons for, I think they're needed today, man, I, I, it, just as they were back then. I would totally agree. Totally agree. So, Trent, thank you so, so much, bud, for spending the time uh, with us today. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I want to wish you the best, and I, I, I hope um, we find a chance another time to get together and have a conversation. Anytime. Yep. I'm available. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. So from Trent over in Oregon, from me here in, uh, in beautiful Cimarron, New Mexico, I want to yeah. thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you the next time. 